right, here we go. Wednesday, uh, the 20th of April. Yep. Happy 420. In fact, I think Jay Jaffe's going to join us at 420 on 420. Wow. That is like the coolest thing ever. we got to be right on time. And considering Jay is not somebody who uh, really does that kind of stuff, it's even better, right? I love that. That's hilarious. I think that we should ask him a bunch of 420 questions. Okay, I'll, we'll start the interview with that. We'll ask him. We'll ask him, like, uh, what his history is with, um, you know, 420 uh, on 420. See what he says. We'll see what he does. That'll be good. Um, we are excited about today's show. In fact, three hours today, three hours every day this week, as we've told uh, told you. That's the, the way things are rolling. Um, no UTEP signees yet today. I was hoping we had some news. I was hoping. But uh, nothing yet. And now we are 10 days out from the May 1st deadline. So, Adrian, I know they're hosting uh, recruits. I know they were hosted last week. I'm sure they're going to be hosting right up till the very end. We know they have six scholarships left. We talked about them at length yesterday. Um, and to me, you know, I, maybe, look, the players came in the portal in, in bunches. Maybe the signings will be coming in bunches. That, that could definitely be the case. And for some of these students, who, student athletes who are entering the portal and who are still looking to find a home, some of them are still do, uh, going through their day-to-day student you know, college life. So they're in classes Monday through Friday or whatever it might be. Uh, and then you, you might look to the weekend for UTEP to try to bring in some recruits. Uh, it's been made public on social media. I feel good talking about it. Malik Zachary, uh, JUCO uh, prospect out of South Plains, Texas. He will be uh, visiting UTEP this week, uh, and he'll be making his trip over to the 915. He's somebody who averages about five assists a game. He's a point guard right there, so there's one name to kind of maybe look out for over the weekend. Uh, You know, they can host as many recruits as they'd like, Steve, but my thing is, you got to get these guys to commit. You got to get them to commit as soon as possible to try to uh, nail down your your uh, the rest of your roster. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I don't know. Um, you know, the only question is also this: if they have six spots, and let's say they're hosting ten, maybe or twelve, maybe for UTEP, it's it's being very careful and knowing that even though they've hosted somebody. They've got to make sure that they get the right people into the right spots. Maybe they're being selective. Maybe they're maybe they're you know they're not just going to jump to the gun, jump the gun, and try to offer if they know that now they need to make sure every scholarship counts. Yeah, that's right. They want to bring them in. They probably want to evaluate them. You know, as a, as a person, not just as a basketball player, because film could tell you a lot about that. But you want to bring them into the facilities and see what kind of a player they are and how they would respond to questions that you might have. Joe Golding hinted at trying to get guys who are leaders who want to win, who uh, do whatever it takes to play for the UTEP Miners. Uh, he talked about that uh, you know, in the late stretch of this past season when he was talking about things like recruiting. So yeah, I, I feel like those are, the, those are the character traits that Joe Golding's looking for to try to shape out this roster. I agree with you, and um, it's also fun because we know that there's a lot of schools right now looking to fill, fill spots here in the last couple of weeks. In fact, last couple of days, I should say. Uh, I'm interested to see where Sule Boom goes. I'm in, you know, that's the funny thing, okay? So here we are. We're talking all about, you know, what UTEP's going to do with uh, their roster and how they're going to fill it over the last 10 days. How about the fact that as of right this minute, 406 on 420, there is not a single uh, UTEP player that has gone into the portal that has a new school just yet. Okay, that's that's good to know. Nobody. 
Well, I mean, and what is there, 10 in the portal, including a couple walk-ons and, I mean, some guys that didn't even get a scholarship. I mean, Shea Evans didn't play for UTEP, but he's kind of listed there. Um, and, you know, I, I think, in, in fact, I don't think there's a single UTEP player that uh, currently right now has uh, a new location. No, uh, you're, you're exactly right on that, Steve. I think it's been slow grow, uh, moving for some of those guys. I think they've heard from a lot of schools. You saw Sule Boom release out, you know, release uh, uh, the list that he has as far as schools that are interested in him. Um, that was actually sent out by Brian Burton of All Access Network and former UTEP uh, assistant coach. Also, you could look at Titus Verhoeven's list uh, of those who contacted him right away and see those, but that's about it. That's the only bit of news that we've gotten so far from all these different recruits. I mean, you're just talking about two starters right there in Sule Boom and Titus Verhoeven. What about the other eight? They, they still need to find a home. They do. They sure do. So, you know, you're right about that. Um, it is interesting when you think about all the players and ultimately they have no spots yet, no landing spots. And by the way, I think it's been told, and, and, and I don't know this for a fact, but I was under the, um, I guess I, I was under the, um, idea that if a minor player goes into the portal, uh, Joe's not taking him back. And by the way, to me, that precedent was set a couple of years ago when, um, in, in just a matter of hours, Nigel Hawkins and Jordan Lathan went into the portal following that trip to Hawaii in year two of the Rodney Terry coaching regime at UTEP. And... He took them both back, and they were never the same after that. And and Rodney Terry, I don't know if he publicly admitted this, but I, I, I could tell you this, Rodney probably wishes he had a do-over on that one and, and didn't bring them both back because that just disrupted the chemistry the rest of the season, and things were weird. I mean, even on the road, it seemed like uh, Jordan Lathan was kind of uh, – um, away from the rest of the team and just didn't just things didn't mesh right. It was it was they played together because they had to, but you could tell that. I always say, what if, what if those two guys were never brought back in that season? Yeah, it's an ultimate what if for that season right there, and spe- you know specifically because they were so good that year and they they just underachieved by a lot of measures. And you know you look at th- this roster and I, I like the the you know this comparison right here to basketball. Even football has experiences to some degree. I mean Dana Dimmel, it seems like he doesn't want guys who enter the portal and then want to come back. Uh, one of the examples that you could uh, talk about is Devon Cooper, who in his first off season with the Miners entered the portal, came back, uh, didn't have a lot of success on the field, and then transferred one more time. So uh, that's another name right there. And I, I think Dana Dimmel was even public about not wanting guys who had uh, previously entered the portal to come back on their team. You're right. Absolutely right. All right, just getting going here on the program. 915-505-6009 is our telephone number. 915-505-6009. You can tweet the show. 600 ESPN El Paso. Good job yesterday with all the tweets coming in. We appreciate that. By the way, thank you, Chris Banks, for sending me the most disturbing thing I've seen, and that is uh, highlights of something I've never seen before, okay? Uh, this was a, I guess, a baseball game earlier today between North Central and Weatherford in Texas where a guy hits a go-ahead home run, and the pitcher from Weatherford attacks him as he's rounding third and basically spears him into the ground like a wrestling move. It almost looked like Brock Lesnar um, or Roman Reigns. I've never seen that before. I mean, that's, that is, now I'm going to say this. The Weatherford pitcher should be thrown off the team 
and should not be allowed anymore to, um, to, to play any baseball of any sort. You cannot take a player who is completely defenseless as he's rounding the bases following a go-ahead home run and just drill him into the ground. You can't do that. I'm going to retweet this through 600 ESPN El Paso, by the way, for those of you that want to see this. Thank you, Chris. So we just retweeted that out. It is the most, that, that, is, that is as bad as it gets. That is as bad as it gets. I don't even know the name of the guy that did that, that attacked uh, the, the play that hit the home run, but I don't care what he says. You can't do that. You can throw at him next time. You can't just take somebody down and level him as he's going around the bases. I've never seen that before. Never seen this before in my life. Uh, he's playing the wrong sport. That's a, that's the first thing I thought because uh, this spear was yeah. It's like a football play right here. It has um, no you know this this doesn't belong at all in in a baseball diamond. And the fact that this is a college baseball game, Steve. The fact that this happened in Texas, it's just very disappointing right here that the pitcher did this. So NCTC is North Central Texas College. They're located in Corinth, uh, Texas. And then Weatherford, you know, Weatherford, Texas, that's where it happened. That is just, that is horrible. I've never, that's one of those I've never seen before. And hopefully I never see it again. Look, I've seen brawls where players attack the pitcher, pitchers attack the players. I've seen that, but I've never seen a pitcher run over and uh, just take out a guy going, uh, crossing third after hitting a go-ahead home run. Never seen that before. Yeah, as as he's literally rounding the base, as he's he, you know it's a cheap shot too. Like I don't like this one bit because uh, as the batter's rounding third, I, I don't care what Josh Phillips said to the pitcher. There was probably smack talk going on sure. back and forth. I don't care about that stuff. He's not even looking uh, the the way uh, the direction of the pitcher, and he gets speared on the on his left side while he's not even looking. So this is a cheap shot in my eyes. Oh, it's one of the worst. I mean, we're talking about what what happened in the uh, game yesterday between the Padres and the Reds with the uh, shot that went down from Luke Voigt to Tyler Stevenson. We'll talk about that with Jay Jaffe. Uh, that's like you're giving the guy a kiss compared to what happened here. Yeah, seriously, and that was seemed you know deemed as a uh, a real dirty uh, incident that happened yesterday. And uh, speaking of the Padres, look at what they're doing today: three nothing, blanking the Reds, and uh, Profar is going off. Man, he's he's had a, a nice little stretch here. Yes, he has. And uh, how fitting that Luke Voigt was held out of the lineup today. Wow, okay, okay. You know, that's the one thing is you always say to yourself, well, if, uh, and by the way, Mackenzie Gore pitched five shutout innings for the Padres today with seven strikeouts, um, and that is a terrific outing for him. So Mackenzie Gore is trying to make it difficult to come back to El Paso, and it seems like after years of dreaming on what the lefty could do and having to refocus and find himself, He's done just that, and all of a sudden, Mackenzie Gore dominating. Yeah, I didn't really like his first outing, but hey, that's just his first one. You, you can't knock him too much in that one. He allowed uh, three hits in that one, two earned runs, and a 5-2 to two loss to Atlanta. But look at who they're playing. They're playing the Braves, and then today they're playing against the Reds. This is a good yeah. one for him to kind of ease into it, to kind of find his footing, and uh, seeing how it, how it all works out for Mackenzie Gore on the mound. I liked what he did today, and let's see what he continues to do uh, you know, next week when he gets his next start. Helps when you're playing a 2-8 and eight team, right? Yeah, definitely. A team two and ten really... team. Sorry, 2-10 team. Uh, Cincinnati Reds team. Most definitely. A team that's just absolutely reeling. Mackenzie Gore, by the way, just 23 years old. I, I think that makes Padres fans real happy. And yeah, Yurikson Profar is off to a terrific start. 11 RBIs already. He's been great. 
So, you know, batting fifth play in left field, plays all around the diamond, mostly in the outfield, though, and uh, that's big That's big time if you're the Padres. Yeah, you're, you're having your guys that you didn't expect to step up this season really step up, Eric Hosmer, Erickson Profar, uh, and yeah, this is what the Padres needed knowing that Fernando Tatis Jr. is out for, uh, you know, the foreseeable future. 100%, and something uh, we'll get a chance to talk about with uh, Jay when he joins us here uh, in a little bit. Um, El Paso Visuals tweets the show. In reference to the pitcher spearing the guy who hit a home run off of him, does that mean your team Chris Rock now? Uh, that's interesting. I've, I have often said, uh, I, you know, I was on Team Chris Rock from the very beginning. Adrian said he was Team Will Smith. Are you changing your opinion after uh, Chris Rock incident after what just happened there? After, uh, after <laughs> no, I'm not changing my opinion. I'm still Team Will. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I kind of away. I'm pretty much away from this argument or the debate between Will Smith, Chris Rock. I think kind of now that you're seeing everything unfold, uh, I, man, the, every the, all the talk about this, it's kind of exhausting at times, isn't it? It is. It totally is. I agree with you. Hey, by the way, um, do we have a movie review today? I got a twofer for you. Do you really? Yes. You have a twofer? Yes. All right, I'll make you a deal. Okay, now that you have a twofer, um, we will do one in the 5 o'clock hour, one in the 6 o'clock hour today. Nice. Okay. Back-to-back hours of movie reviews. All right? Sounds good. I'll be ready. You deliver two movie reviews for me, you'll get two different uh, segments. Same music, same bed, same everything, different hours. So Adrian's movie review, he'll do one in the five, one in the six. I'm excited about that. Good for you watching movies last night, like you promised. Pair of 80s movies, so I'm looking forward to these. Ah, very nice. Very nice. All right. When we come back, Jay Jaffe at 420, right after Charlie One in this uh, sports center. I would say this traffic update. All right, very fitting at 420 on 420 to have this music take us out. I don't know if I'll say it's fitting Jay Jaffe joins us at 420 on 420. That is, uh, that is uh, Jay and I have never talked about that before. Um, but he joins us live right now. And this could be, in all the years you've joined us on the show, your first ever 420 appearance on 420 itself. Uh, I, you know, it's, it, I, I would think, given that we've been doing this for about 10 years, the odds are that we've probably landed on 420 before. Um, but uh, True. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I, haven't, I haven't kept track that closely. You know what? And forget 10. It's probably closer to 15 years by now, Jay. Time's flown by. Yeah, it has. I think, I think it was either 2008 or 2009 we started doing these, but it's been, it's been a long time. Yep, absolutely right. So, uh, hey, it's good to have you back. And uh, nonetheless... Uh, happy 4:20 to you. Uh, even though it's 6:20 your time right now uh, in New York, yeah, yeah. so there you go. And and by the way, lots and lots of uh, day baseball today. Uh, let's begin with uh, the Reds and, and Padres, since there is some controversy after what happened last night between Luke Voigt and um, uh, Tyler Stevenson, the Reds catcher. Now, on the surface, when it was uh, watching that play, when it was sped up, it just looked like a bang bang slide at home and a collision. But when you slowed it down and watched it, in your mind, how bad was the Voigt slide since it sent Stevenson to the IL? Yeah, it didn't look great. Um, I'm not going to assume any um, you know, cruel intent there. Luke Voigt, I've stood next to Luke Voigt. I've, you know, in, in the Yankees locker room, he is a big boy. He's not the most athletic I mean, he can crush a baseball, but as a base runner and the other the other elements of baseball, not the most uh, uh, athletic guy. Um, 
you do not want to get in his way. I did not think that uh, uh, it was a good slide, but I, you know, I understand the 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 uh, uh, that the Reds are unhappy. Uh, I I don't know that I that I would go so far as to pin intent on him, but uh, um, you know, it's it. I, I hope uh, I hope Stevenson's okay. He I believe he he went on the concussion deal uh, injured list. I believe. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's not great. Um, look, it, it's. Uh, Baseball has has done it, you know has done a lot to try to weed out some of this you know some of the contact um, at home plate and and on the bases and this was just a case where um, you know two bodies wanted to be in the same place at the same time and I you know I wish I wish he hadn't done that uh, I wish or I wish that hadn't gone down the way it did but I'm not sure that I'm ready to assign um, you know malignant intent on that. Uh, uh, play. I don't know. You listen to um, uh, Tommy Pham, and all of a sudden, the former Padre, who's now on the Reds, he's ready to go into the octagon and uh, and, and beat the crap out of uh, Luke Voigt after what happened last night. That was the that was my favorite uh, post game yeah. quote of the of the contest. Tommy Pham is a, is, a, is a is a is a spicy character in, in in his own right, but I would urge him again, having stood next to Luke Voigt and seen what he can do and seen that he's got muscles on muscles. I would I would urge him to rethink that um, because I don't I don't know that you want to get in the brawl with with, with Luke Voigt, but uh, um, I you know whatever it's just you got to back your teammate in a situation like that, and I understand why why Tommy Pham is going to speak up because that's. You know that that that's part of what uh, uh, what he brings to a ball club, and part, one of those things that uh, you know in the club unifies it. Absolutely right, AJ. Do you realize? I mean, Miguel Cabrera is four hits shy of three thousand for his career, which would make him the thirty third member of the club, the three thousand hit club. But he's also, um, you know, he'd become the seventh man in MLB history to reach five hundred home runs and three thousand hits. That's an even bigger. Uh, more exclusive club for somebody like that. So, uh, boy, uh, Miggy is uh, right on the verge of history here this season. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I wrote the article last year when he homered on opening day that he had a chance to become the first of those seven to do to collect both milestones in the same year, but he uh, uh, did not have a very good year. He has not had a very good year for quite a while and just had a hard time staying And so he didn't get to uh, uh, 3,000 hits last year, left himself, I believe it was 13 short. Um, he's coming up on it. I have uh, something planned for when he does. Unfortunately, this bears a lot of resemblance to the Albert Pujols crawl uh, to 3,000. And that you know, we're talking about a great player collecting a, a, an impressive milestone, but really, it's kind of questionable as to whether he should still be doing this. Uh, if it weren't for his contract, I don't think he'd be in the major leagues at this point. I'm looking at his stat line here. He's got, including this year, his last six seasons, he's been worth. Minus 0.1 war uh, wins above replacement. He's basically been a replacement level player for six years. Um, he's had uh, uh, some really bad years, and she, he's had some partially promising ones, but he's gotten hurt. Seasons of 57 games, 38 games. Um, it's just he's had a hard time staying healthy, and, and unfortunately it's been, it's been kind of tough to watch. Uh, it's still uh, an incredible feat to get to 3,000 and to get to 500 home runs. Uh, in the same career, um, I hope that at some point soon he he considers whether he's actually bringing too much to bringing much to the game. Yeah, uh, he's also DHing these days instead of playing first base. So um, we look at it like that because his defensive value is practically non-existent since yeah. really he's kind of been in that exclusive DH mode now, probably for like what the last uh, three four seasons, Jay. 
Well, he's played he's played a couple hundred innings at first base in 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 three. He played three hundred sixty seven innings there last year. Made oh, wow. uh, made forty four starts. So he, you know, okay. it's, it's more than you, more than you'd like, um, particularly for a team that really you know has has been rebuilding. But uh, um, he hasn't played there yet this year, I don't think. And and uh, you know, I hope that he can teach Spencer Torkelson and some of these other young Tigers a thing or two about hitting. But uh, I don't think he needs to be an everyday player anymore. Uh, you wrote about a first baseman uh, just today in uh, Matt Olson and what he's doing right now for the Braves. You know, you lose uh, Freddie Freeman. You need to bring in somebody who can come right in and not miss a beat. And it seems like that's exactly what Olson's been doing for the Braves. Yeah, it's been really impressive. I mean, you know, I understand the, the, the sentiment that you know in terms of bringing Freeman back, and and I did not particularly like the way that the Braves handled uh, the situation with him, um, but. You know, faced with the possibility of bringing in somebody with very with a very similar skill set, uh, maybe more you know more strikeouts, more of a three true outcomes kind of orientation, but uh, a guy who reduced his strikeouts considerably last year uh, and hit 39 homers uh, and is a great defender. They brought in a guy who's four and a half years younger and and, and costs uh, a little bit less uh, in Matt Olson, and uh, um, he's off to a, a red hot start. Uh, came into the day leading. Uh, I think second second in the National League in batting average, on-base percentage, and wins above replacement. And that's just a really impressive start. It really is. Uh, not surprising, though, because if you think about it, Olsen has been one of the more consistent players on the A's uh, roster the last couple years. Well, he had a terrible 2020. Well, not terrible. He had a bad 2020. Um, he, hit below, he hit below 200. He was still a league average hitter because of the box, the power. Uh, but for the most part, he has been, a, you know, an uh, near all-star caliber player for the last few years and really uh, does seem to have corrected some holes in his swing. Uh, and last year was, was uh, uh, his first all-star season. I, I, don't, I, I don't think it's going to be his last. I'm with you on that one. Um, before you wrote about Olsen, you talked about Andrew Haney. Now, this is also really interesting for Dodger fans. I feel like Andrew Haney's been around forever, but he's only 30 years old. Last season was rough, to say the least. And Andrew Haney hasn't been relevant in, in, in a little while, but yet why does it seem like you joined the Dodgers and all of a sudden you can uh, recapture your old stuff? Is this because that team is so loaded it, it rubs off on guys like Haney? Well, it's a matter of it's it, it, it's it, teams have always liked Heaney's skill set, which is why he continues to get chances. Um, the Dodgers made some tweaks. They they overhauled his delivery. They thought he was getting too rotational on the mound. Uh, worked with him on that, and they also got him throwing uh, their version of a slider, uh, which is a, a bit of a different grip and, and has a bit of a different action. And you've seen uh, Walker Bueller, Julio Urias, uh, Blake Trinan. And uh, Evan Phillips on that team already adopt uh, similar sliders. It's 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 becoming known as the sweeper. It's a it's a pitch that uh, uh, really is you know has some commonalities with the slider, with but with more horizontal movement. And uh, um, Heaney has Heaney has introduced it into his arsenal, uh, junking his curveball, which didn't get uh, a ton of movement and uh, impressive results in the first two starts. The Dodgers just do a very good job of communicating with players, uh, you know how, you know what they want to do and how they want to tweak things, and that really I think is one one of the things that separates them from from the other teams. Yes, of course, it helps to have money, but you know you're talking about a team that for all the blue chippers they've got, they've also made some incredible value plays to to pick up guys like Justin Turner and Chris Taylor and and. Uh, 
um, Max Muncy, and they've done it on the pitching side as well here. Uh, we'll see if Andrew Heaney can get healthy, though. Unfortunately, he went on the injured list today with uh, uh, soreness in his left shoulder, so hopefully for him it's not too big a setback. Um, because he really does seem to be uh, tapping into the potential that a lot of teams have seen in him. More with Jay as we continue here on Sports Talk. But first, let's send it back right now to Adrian. He's standing by in the 600 ESPN El Paso Lubingo Studios with this uh, Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. Uh, we're back with uh, Jay Jaffe here on uh, Sports Talk. Jay from our team at Fangraphs.com. There is so much great material up at Fangraphs right now. You need to check that out, whether it's reviewing the top 48 Cleveland Indians prospects. I love the prospect previews. A lot of great articles up on the site as well. Uh, just check it out at Fangraphs.com for everything you need. And, of course, uh, all of the Jay Jaffe content there as well. One of my favorite things is looking at what Justin Choi wrote about today, Jay, and that's the velocity surge in Major League Baseball to start the year since uh, he tracked it. And uh, there's obviously a lot of guys right now that are that are coming either at triple digits or pretty close to it. Yeah, Hunter Green, the Reds rookie, obviously, uh, through more, I think more more hundred mile an hour plus pitches than than uh, uh, in his in his uh, start than anyone we've seen, and and I mean that guy is just you know routinely triple digits. Um, we, you know we're seeing a slight uptick in velocity. I think it has something to do with uh, the shorter stints that starters are are uh, uh, throwing right now um, because you know the the expectations on uh, on where they are in terms of. Uh, they're prepared this for the season with the with the lockout shortened spring training. Um, I imagine this will kind of taper off a little bit over time, but this is, I mean this has been something that's been um, you know a feature of baseball, particularly over the last decade. We've seen uh, guys pushing the envelope faster, 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 more one inning relief stints, max effort, um, and uh, it, you know it's changed the game. It's not the only factor that's changed the game, but it's certainly part of it. I wonder also, as some guys are, are really uh, delivering in, in big velocity numbers and they're seeing their their success uh, improve as a result, others are struggling. Um, any concern right now with Garrett Cole after what happened yesterday, what we've seen so far this season, or is it still too early to worry about that if you're the Yankees? Well, you know, I think that publicly they'll tell you it's that, that they're not worried. Privately, I mean, it might be it might be another matter, but I think the cold weather has something to do with 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 Cole's problems. Both of his starts or two of his three starts have been uh, under under some pretty tough conditions, and and I I, I don't think he's adapted very well, um, and uh, I think that's that's part of it. And some pitchers do better than others under those conditions. I mean. You know, we saw Max Scherzer just dealing yesterday with 30 mile an hour, uh, or, you know, with a 30 something degree wind chill, uh, and Clayton Kershaw, obviously, you know, last week with that with that perfect game bid, um, but uh, not every pitcher uh, thrives under those circumstances, and and for some reason, I, I think Cole has kind of kind of been struggling, but we'll see if there's if there's more to it than that. We know that he kind of had a bit more trouble last year after the crackdown on sticky stuff, and and. Really, I think he's been searching for a while to get back to uh, what he was. I don't think it's just the sticky stuff, um, but uh, uh, he has not quite been been uh, the dominant ace that they expected him to be for, for a little while now. 
Is there something weird about the story today involving Charlie Blackman of the Colorado Rockies reaching a partnership with a uh, uh, an online bookmaker um, for a, a brand ambassador role? Um, you know, I find this I so Maxim Bet Jay is what it's called, and um, it just seems look baseball has always always said the one thing you can't do you can't bet on the game you can't do this and now all of a sudden as gambling is getting into it I don't blame you because we know about Pete Rose and this the, the nineteen nineteen Black Sox and this just seems to go against everything baseball's always stood for. It's it's unsavory and it's just a, it's just so it's such, such a blatant cash grab and the optics of it are terrible and I hate everything about it and I hate having to talk about it. Uh, because inevitably somebody will bring out, bring out. Well, why don't they make? Why don't they bring Pete Rose back and let him get in the Hall of Fame? Because you know, the, obviously, the people have nothing better to do than think about that. And I'm the being the Hall of Fame go-to person. They ask me that, and it just wrecks my day when I have to field those questions. So thank you for bringing that up. My <laughs> pleasure. My pleasure. It's, and, and here's the scary thing: he's the first. Who knows how many will follow Jay? That's to me. That's the crazy thing about it. Yeah, we're going to see. I'm sure this is not the not the last of these kind of deals, and and it's just going to be the landscape. The baseball landscape is going to be littered with this kind of stuff, and um, you know, I mean, we're seeing, you know, we're seeing broadcasts where you know gambling odds are being are being flashed. We're seeing it in the crawls on, on you know, on 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 ESPN. It's just it's it's noxious. It's just it's it's noxious, and yeah. it's everywhere. It's tough to escape. And look, I know. You know, I know pe- some people are able to casually, you know, gamble on baseball without without much uh, problem. But I think that the industry is ignoring uh, just how problem, you know, how how much of a problem this is for for many people. And I don't, I, I really don't like uh, just how cavalierly the, the league has gone about it. Before I get to your beer pick in just a moment, are you surprised at all by hearing the news that minor league baseball has seen 20 minutes on average go off their game times because of the pitch clock? Um, no, I'm not surprised because, I mean, I, we, I think we, all, we always, or, you know, a lot of us have assumed based on the, based on the studies that have been done, it's the, really it's the, it's the between pitch times uh, that have uh, really – Stretched out the length of baseball games. Yes, the between innings commercial times uh, are a factor too, but Major League Baseball has actually uh, pared back on that uh, somewhat in recent years. It's the time between pitches, which is also where some of this velocity spike comes from. You know, if you can if you can wander around on the mound for 20, 25 seconds uh, between pitches and huff and puff and get ready, uh, recover from that last 96 mile an hour pitch and get ready to throw another one. Uh, it's a lot easier to to maintain that kind of velocity than when you've got 14 seconds or 18 seconds or whatever it is. Um, so no, I'm not surprised that uh, uh, that this is uh, something that's that uh, can pay instant dividends. And I hope that uh, uh, it comes to major to, to major league baseball next year. Maybe not with the exact parameters that are in place um, uh, in in this minor league experiment, but uh, something along those lines. What's coming up uh, on Fangraphs? What are you going to be writing about the next couple of days? Uh, I'm working on something on, on Jose Ramirez, who's off to a very hot start. Uh, hit his second Grand Slam of the year today and is on uh, an RBI binge. Um, got something planned for when Cabrera gets 3,000 hits, although that might have to wait until the weekend. Uh, probably also going to look at all these uh, uh, no-hit bids that are coming about because they kind of uh, constitute a perfect storm uh, 
uh, of all these factors that we're talking about in terms of the ball, the velocity, the scoring, the cold weather, uh, the short spring, all of that. Uh, we've seen four pitchers go at least five innings without allowing a hit just in the last 24 hours. Um, Max Scherzer, Max Fried, um, Brandon Woodruff, and uh, Tony Gonsolin. And, and uh, um, you know, it's it probably won't be long before we get an actual no-hitter once people uh, build up their pitch counts a little bit more. That's all coming up at Fangraphs.com with Jay Jaffe. Wrap it up, beer pick of the week. What are we talking about this week, Jay? Okay, this is one from Torch and Crown, the Manhattan Brewery. Uh, this is their Strata Italian Pilsner, which I had a couple weeks ago and kind of jotted down. I was like, I need to get some more of that. Um, it is a 4.6% ABV Pilsner, crisp and refreshing, uh, I believe that the difference between an Italian Pilsner and, and uh, some of the other styles is the dry hopping uh, that takes place afterwards, but uh, I like this one a lot. It was, it was light and refreshing and uh, uh, kind of fit into uh, uh, what I'm looking for when I want an alternative to the uh, uh, big, uh, juicy IPAs. Follow Jay on Twitter at J underscore Jaffe. You can check out his work at Fangraphs.com. He's here with us every single Wednesday. Appreciate it, Jay. We'll look forward to having you back next week. All right. Sounds great, Steve. Take care. From Jay Jaffe right over to KVIA News. It's coming up next right here. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. 49 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. 505-6009, the telephone number. That is 505 505- Six zero zero nine coming up in our five and six o'clock hours. Adrian's movie reviews. I'm excited about that. Just like I'm so excited and happy for Jesus and Monica. Nice job, uh, guys. They had already moved out of their home in Socorro. They needed to sell it because it was just sitting vacant. Now you might think they reached out to uh, Jaime out there in Santa Teresa because uh, he's from Socorro. But no, no, no. They reached out to Brian Birds and his team. They got the home listed and under contract in just two weeks for $20,000 over the list price. Oh, and guess what? It closed just a week later. Jesus and Monica were so happy to get that home off their hands and the extra money in their hands. Thanks to Brian. Now, to achieve top dollar for your home, you have to have that agent who can create an auction-like effect. With buyers competing for your home and driving up the price. Brian Birds of the Brian Birds Home Selling Team, powered by EXP Realty, is that man. Now, some homes are seen within minutes of hitting the markets. But because of Brian's Coming Soon Homes program, homes listed with him are sold within minutes. Because his buyers get a free head start. So call the official real estate agent of UTEP, El Paso Locomotive FC, the Rhinos, and the Chihuahuas. The only agent I would call if I needed to sell my home. His name is Brian Birds. Give him a call, 751-1500. Checking uh, Twitter today at 600 ESPN El Paso. Um, This comes from my son's red beer mix. Do y'all enjoy micheladas, a.k.a. red beers? Let us send y'all some of our mix to enjoy while talking about the exodus of the UTEP men's basketball squad. Oh, baby. Thank you. I like micheladas. I'm good with that. Thank you, uh, at Mix My Sons. Appreciate that. That's pretty good. So, apparently just add four ounces over ice, and you're good to go, right? It's perfect. 
Okay. I like this. I'm looking at the profile right now. It seems like it has some really good stuff going mm. on. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, El Paso Visuals tweets the show. In reference to movies, you guys need to watch Mark Wahlberg's new movie, Father Stew. Amazing movie. You'll laugh and cry. And in one talkie. Thank you, El Paso Visuals, for that recommendation. Christofino uh, Munazama tweets the show. Let's just drop the entire team and move on. If they don't want to be here anymore, fine. Year-to-year mentality now. Happy. Doge. Um, Doge. Uh, Doge Day, guys. All right. Thank you. Crypto. Yeah. Thank you. Is that what it was? Yeah, that's crypto right there. Crypto for Doge Day? Yeah. Appreciate that. It took took a little time for that one. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Adrian. Doge Day. All right. There we go. 420. Doge Day. Uh, You don't have any Doge uh, crypto bot, Steve? No, do you? No. No, not at all. No. Don't have any Doge. Stay away from crypto. Don't have any uh, Micheladas right now. I don't have any of that stuff. I'm just, we're just hanging out till seven o'clock. That's all we're doing. In fact, I'm missing the first hour of my son's baseball game at six tonight. I'll have to watch it on the uh, computer screen. So if I appear a little uh, disoriented, folks, in the final hour of the show, have no fear. I'm just watching um, the Mayhem take on the Diablos in a 10-U select baseball game out on field four at uh, Irwin Lambda Park, otherwise known as Cloudview. So you'll know that yeah, if I'm uh, a second late or I say something that makes zero sense. I'm probably too busy, uh, you know, making sure that uh, my son doesn't have any pass balls tonight behind the plate, or that he's, uh, you know, raising his arms when he needs to swing the bat like I told him to when they're leaving the house. Today. I said, "Listen, I'm not going to be around to talk to you, so make sure you elevate your arms uh, when you're swinging." And then what does he do? As he's walking to school today, after he after he gets out of the car, raises his arms for me and shows me what he's going to do. I said, "Perfect, out of boy." proud of you. So that's the 6 o'clock hour, folks. But um, nonetheless, we still have Jeff Erickson coming up in about 30 minutes here in our 5 o'clock hour. Ah! Let's get in the hour with Rob! Final call of uh, 4 o'clock hour as Sports Talk continues. Rob, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm in a... Uh, I've been in a real good mood lately because of all the, the fights that boxing's put on lately. Um, it seems like every week there's a really good fight, but um, I wanted to talk about the fight on Saturday, the one that just happened, because I, I think it was it was pretty significant what what Earl Spence was able to do. Um, you know, he systematically broke down Ugas, and it, it turned it ended up turning into a beatdown. But that just answered all questions as far as you know, does he still have it? You know, with the eye injury, the car crash, you know, all that, and. That just reinvigorated the talks of the super fight with uh, with Terrence Crawford, and now that Crawford's a promotional free agent, uh, I, I believe that fight happens this fall, and it's the modern day, you know, it, it's it's the modern day uh, Hearns and Leonard fight, the welterweight showdown, uh, two guys in their prime, two guys undefeated, and I can't wait. Are you more excited about that or the uh, final fight in the trilogy between Canelo and Triple G? For sure, the Crawford Spence fight because I think Canelo's going to beat him down. Um, I think uh, I think Golovkin's a little old. He, he looked pretty good on his last fight, but yep. if you look at his about his last three fights, he, he's not looking good as far as uh, his vulnerability to the body. And I think Canelo, since their last two fights, has has gotten better every time. And you know he's not fighting the he's not fighting the Canelo that came up from. 154. He's coming. He's fighting a Canelo that's probably going to come down from from 190. 
yeah. there's going to just be a lot more. There's going to be a lot more power in this fight. Uh, uh, you know, a lot more athleticism from Canelo, and uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he finishes him off this time. Uh, but it puts the cap on the trilogy. But for sure, more I'm more excited about uh, Crawford's possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Be Without fun. It's just yeah, and I've tried to break it down, but. It's the most 50-50 fight I think I've ever thought about. Like We've got time on that, Rob. we got time. Unfortunately, we have no time this hour. We're out of time. You wrapped us up. But we got time to talk about Crawford Spence. Don't worry. We'll, we'll make sure we do that for it. We'll do it justice. Hey, uh, hour two, right around the corner. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Hour two underway as we welcome you back to the program. Still to come here in hour number two, Adrian's movie review. First of two. Yeah, that Booker news is bad. Two games, and you know when you lose your best player like that, you wonder what kind of an effect it's going to have on the Suns in their playoff series. Adrian, I'm I'm kind of fascinated by that one as well. See if uh, you know that mild hamstring strain is going to give the Pelicans a chance to get right back into the series. Yeah, my biggest takeaway so far with the Western Conference playoffs is that uh, we came into the playoffs thinking that Phoenix would have the easiest road to try to get back to the finals for uh, a second straight season to try to see if Chris Paul can finally win a ring. Uh, and we thought that on the other side, the se- one of the second best teams in the uh, Western Conference, Golden State, was kind of limping into the playoffs. You didn't know um, the injury status for Steph Curry. He hadn't played a lot through that last stretch. And now... Now, the uh, narrative has completely flipped. Everybody's back on Golden State. What Jordan Poole has been able to do is exceptional. That new death lineup that they're showing on the court right now is is proven to be deadly. And then on the Phoenix side of things, they're dealing with the Booker injury. He might not be back for games three and four. And, uh, you know, how they They can be down three games to one by the time Booker shows up again. Yeah, because the Pels can make shots. CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, those guys can make shots. And they got young guys who play defense and they score. Score in transition. So yesterday's Pelicans uh, win is very alarming for the Phoenix Suns. I think Booker dropped 31 in the first half yesterday. Didn't score in the third quarter, then gets hurt. And then New Orleans just goes on this sick run and ends up winning the game. So Phoenix is 8-6 and six without Devin Booker in the lineup. And that's, a base, that's, that's essentially a 500 ball club. And you know what? In a playoff series like this where you know that this series is shifting back now to New Orleans who just took home court away from you and they've got two big ones in a row um, and it's a 2-2, 1-1-1 uh, format, this is going to be awfully tough to see if Phoenix can win a game in New Orleans without their superstar. I thought Phoenix was destined to look for a sweep here in this series against New Orleans, but now on the other side, they're they're going into New Orleans with a lot of uncertainty and, and hanging over all of this. Now, this is the interesting thing, Steve. The Zion Williamson wild card, like New Orleans can throw out Zion possibly and maybe in this series, maybe in the next series if they advance, but that's the wild card with the Pelicans and that's why they're scary. I know that the Pelicans finished with the worst record out of the playoffs teams right now, but if I was Phoenix, I would way, way, uh, way mu- uh, rather play a team like Denver who's struggling right now with all the injuries that have piled up instead of playing this feisty uh, New Orleans Pelicans team. 100% correct. 100% correct. Um, 
Again, our telephone number, if you want to weigh in on the uh, NBA playoffs, 915-505-6009. That is our telephone number as uh, we get things rolling. I want to remind all of you folks that we will uh, be live next Thursday uh, and Friday from, guess where? The NFL Draft in Las Vegas. That's right. Oh, I'm excited about that. Excited about having Window Depot as our presenting sponsor as uh, they have jumped on board with us. And uh, it's going to be a a terrific uh, time for us. In fact, the Window Depot, more than a window store with a large selection of doors, cabinetry, countertops, flooring, and tile, too. So it's great to have them uh, with us on the program. But we've got so many other clients that have also joined the fun and great to have them with us. In fact, Longhorn Distributing. Cisco Movers, 915 Tours and Classic Elegance Coaches is on board. Palo Verde Homes, Taco Avocat, Clean Water of El Paso, an expert HVAC and refrigeration, and one of our newest additions, uh, excited about having Roto-Rooter on board with us as well, sponsoring the trip to uh, Vegas next Thursday and Friday. Folks, it's going to be awesome. We're going to have lots of uh, interviews. We're going to have also, uh, you know, the Foss is joining us. So we're going to have uh, rumors, commentary. We're, we're going to be right there where the draft is held at Caesars. And uh, it's our first time out there. So, you know, we've done this show in so many places over the years. but And we've been to Vegas a, a million times to broadcast from, just never from the NFL draft. So this should really be a, a great, great uh, two days of uh, Two and a half hours of broadcast, so five hours over two days, bringing you everything you need for the NFL draft. And I know that some people want to say, well, this is a this is a tough uh, class to get excited about out of the NFL draft. And I, I really think that's only because of the quarterbacks. If you just look at the wide receivers specifically, we could be talking about six or seven guys taken in the first round, which is exciting in itself. I mean, there's a lot of contending teams who need a wide receiver, like Kansas City, like the Green Bay Packers. You know, you, you look down the list. And there, there's some really interesting prospects on the defensive side of the ball, like uh, you know the the Georgia Bulldogs and what they were able to do. Trayvon Walker, the de- the defensive end, and Nicobe Dean, who's my favorite prospect on the board, but might not even get picked in the first round because teams don't really like his size. So a lot of great storylines heading into next week. You're right about that. Tremendous storylines, and uh, just uh, can't wait to talk about uh, our uh, NFL draft uh, live broadcast presented by the Window Depot and uh, brought to you again by uh, Longhorn District. Distributing Cisco Movers, 915 Tours and Classic Elegance Coaches, Clean Water of El Paso, Palo Verde Homes, Taco Avocat, Expert HVAC and Refrigeration, and also brought to you by Roto Rooter right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. I think it's going to be, I'm hoping for trades. I'm, I can't wait to see all the fans out there. That's going to be a lot of fun. You know the NFL is excited because when they put to, when they throw a draft, uh, it's usually just uh, it's more of a an, an event than anything else. Yeah, it's great for fans because it's the first time where they can have hope. And if you're a team that picks in the first or second round, uh, that, that's something to look forward to right there to try to see how your team can have uh, more of that success or, or just you know get better. And uh, you know one of the interest you ta- you mentioned trade, Steve. One of the interesting ones that 
that I'm looking at right now is Carolina at six because when uh, the Carol when you look at the Carolina Panthers in their draft, they do not pick after the sixth overall pick in the first round until the fourth round. So uh, I'm curious to see if they trade back in the first round, uh, acquire as many picks as they can in the draft, and then uh, let's see what what kind of madness happens after that. Who do you think is going to be the most active trading uh, team out there in the first round? Like if you had to pick a team, you said Carolina. Who else do you think could really make some moves and try to move up? I think uh, Kansas City. You look at their their picks, 29 and 30. They traded away, of course, Tyreek Hill over this offseason, and uh, they acquired those picks at as a result of that trade. So I could see them packaging 29 and 30, trying to move up in the middle of the draft and taking the best available wide receiver that's on their board, which I'm curious to know who that is and who they think could fit best with Patrick Mahomes. Another uh, name to kind of, or a team to look at is the New England Patriots picking at 21. They could always trade back. It always seems like New England loves to trade back uh, and acquire as much, uh, you know, as many draft picks as they can. So that those are some names to maybe look at. I'm interested to see what Green Bay is going to do. They have 22 and 28 right now that's also another team with multiple picks that uh, could be interesting philadelphia is picking at uh 15 18 and uh, i believe that's it so far in the first round 15 and 18 uh the jets have four and ten the giants have five and seven uh, in the first round. So there's a lot of teams with multiple picks. That's the one takeaway we're getting right now is lots of teams with multiple picks uh, and a chance to do some damage. Yeah, and who wants to get back into the first round that's not there currently? That's another storyline to maybe monitor. Uh, you look at the Chicago Bears, it's it, it's kind of a bad situation right now with Chicago. They didn't pay a lot of players in the in the offseason and free agency. Uh, you want to surround Justin Fields with as many weapons as you can instead of just throwing him into the fire and, and ha- having us judge him based on you know the lack of weapons that he has around him to work with. So you look at teams who are not currently in the first round who might join the first round that's another really interesting thing to kind of monitor it sure is and uh, once again uh, we'll have so much of this to discuss and the teams that ultimately um, you said it could trade out I wonder if Houston's going to try to make a move uh, for one they pick three and they pick 13 but like you said without the superstar quarterbacks in the draft this year I wonder if that's going to hinder teams' decision to trade up. Are you going to really trade up to draft a cornerback? Are you really going to trade up to draft a wide receiver? I mean, those are generally not the players that teams value enough to move up like they do for the franchise quarterback. So maybe teams that have multiple picks are more content to stay down than worrying about trading up. Or maybe those same teams can look at those quarterback, uh, those teams across the league who currently have a quarterback on their roster, but they're not like that solidified star. So let's say you look at the New Orleans Saints and you say, I want to I want to trade out of this first round. They've got two draft picks. They've got they're picking 16 and 19. Trade one of those picks to get a first round pick for next year's draft class, which is way, you know, way deeper when it comes to quarterbacks. Maybe you do that for those teams right there and those teams who are desperate, who just need to fill out their roster, who need to improve their defense. A lot of great guys in the first round, uh, you know, that, that you can grab even if it's in the middle of the first round. But if you're New Orleans, you know it's 16 and 
19, you might be able to get a first-round quarterback uh, that, that could end up being a franchise guy because there still are uh, a handful of guys that are going to be available. Maybe you get Kenny Pickett. Maybe Kenny Pickett is your guy to be the franchise quarterback out there in New Orleans. Do you think at number 16 that's too uh, low in the draft for the first quarterback to be taken? Do you think there will already be a quarterback taken by then? Yeah, I think Malik's going to be top 10. Wow, nice. Yeah, yeah I, th- I, I think that's that's right because people talk themselves in uh, teams talk themselves into a quarterback right up and uh, right before the draft, and we didn't think Baker Mayfield would go number one, but Cleveland became you know infatuated with him and they chose him number one. Same with Kyler Murray; they they split right away from Josh Rosen. So uh, you know the Arizona Cardinals draft Kyler Murray then the, the uh, following year first overall. So yeah, you've seen uh, teams just kind of get a little desperate in their situation and think, yeah, let's pull the trigger. Let's let's draft a quarterback. 100% right. Um, we're approaching 15 pass, and don't forget, we're going to have, um, wow, uh, some uh, good uh, sports news coming up fantasy-wise with uh, Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. Shab Sharania is uh, reporting on Twitter that Jay Wright is likely retiring as head coach of Villanova soon. That is not a story that I expected right now. I don't know about you, Adrian, but that one kind of comes out of left field. This one really comes out of left field for me. Uh, I'm I'm shocked about this one, Steve, and it looks like Fordham University coach Kyle Neptune is expected to be the choice to succeed Jay Wright, who, by the way, two-time national champion, uh, was very successful in the 2010s. You could say, you could argue that what Jay Wright did in the 2010s was maybe better than any other coach across college basketball uh, with how, how much success he had with Villanova. Listen, he's only 60. All right, and 60 years of age is not retirement age in basketball, but when you've been head coach of Villanova for 20-plus years, you've got the two rings, you've accomplished everything you need. I wonder what's – I mean, do you think Jay Wright ever wants to get into the NBA? Could that be something that maybe attracts him after uh, getting out of college? Okay, I hate to go down these, like, conspiracy wormholes, Steve, but hear me out on this, okay? Sham Sharania, Clutch Client. His agent, like, as a media member, is with Clutch. Of course, who who represents Clutch? LeBron James, uh, you know, all of the Los Angeles Lakers players and stuff like that. I know where you're going. Jay Wright, coach of the Lakers. But then why do you retire at Villanova? Why not just leave Villanova to go coach uh, the Lakers? Yeah, just for a record, I hate that narrative right there. I don't want Jay Wright to coach the Lakers because I think that's uh, I, I feel like that's unfair to him and all the success he's done he's had in the Big East. And and yeah, I mean this is this came out of left field, but maybe they decided uh, maybe he decided this as soon as like the recruiting period ended for Villanova and he grabbed all the recruits that he wanted. 16 past. We'll come back with uh, Jeff Erickson next to talk uh, a little fantasy sports right after Charlie won in this traffic update. 20 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. Still to come, Adrian's movie review. Looking forward to that. Man, you know who's really happy that you're still with us on 600 ESPN El Paso and not moving to another radio station? This man. Jeff Erickson, who you can uh, check out at rotawire.com and follow on Twitter at Jeff underscore Erickson. Uh, you, you were so nice yesterday offering up a very heartfelt congratulations to Adrian, uh, not realizing one of our listeners uh, had uh, baited you with a with a spoof because the entire UTEP team had gone into the transfer portal, and he decided to make a joke that Adrian's leaving the radio station to go to, a, to one of our uh, sister stations there, Jeff. 
Yep, I fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. Well done. Well done. Uh, yeah, happy to still talk uh, with uh, Adrian there in the breaks. And uh, every once in a while when you're uh, on vacation or on location. So, uh, yeah, I fell for that. Appreciate that, Jeff. I was actually hoping you knew it was phony and you were just sending out a phony congratulations. That's really what I wanted. From, I was hoping for that. <laughs> that would have been tremendous. It would have been. It would have been epic. But that's okay. Adrian's still here. You're still here. All is good in the world. Um, although, uh, I want to get your review on Dodger Stadium. You went there a few days ago. Traffic was not good. Uh, and and uh, the ballpark experience itself, is Dodger Stadium one of those timeless ballparks that no matter when you go, it's always a great trip? Yeah, it's usually a pretty good trip. Just the, the trip, well, it's a good time once you're there. Getting there, not so much sometimes. Uh, and that was the case on Saturday night. You should, you know, you should know better on a Saturday night. It's pretty brutal, but we, we thought we gave even adequate time accounting for that. We, we arrived around the ballpark more than an hour beforehand and still didn't get to our seats until the top of the second inning. That's how bad traffic is getting into the parking lots at Dodger Stadium. And maybe I picked the wrong entrance. Uh, shame on me for that. But uh, once we got there, still, it's a great ballpark. I can't imagine over an hour getting from the entrance into the stadium. That's what blows me away. Yeah, the blood pressure was rising in this car for sure. Uh, yeah, that, that wasn't fun. Uh, and it's not the first time it's happened. We tried a different route from another time, and it was worse. And so it goes. We Lesson learned. Uh, you know, when you're taking your family, it's one thing uh, to get there uh, really early. It's another, like, with your buddies. You don't mind showing up for batting practice and all that that's almost what you have to do is go a lot for like three hours ahead of time. Yep. That's, that's a tough ask when you're bringing your family. Uh, yeah, especially when the ballpark probably doesn't open uh, until an hour and a half before first pitch. Exactly. I hear you. Uh, did you have a Dodger dog? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, that part was good. Was a, the game flew by. and I, you know, The reason I wanted to go was Hunter Green was pitching for the Reds, so that was kind of fun to watch. Um, he, he, he lived up to the billing, uh, 39 pitches over uh, 100 miles an hour of his 80 pitches. So that was pretty awesome. It was fun to see that. And uh, Urias looked good. The Reds' offense, though, is subpar, to say the least. You're seeing what the Padres did to them this week. Uh, they've, the Reds have lost, I think, nine in a row now. And uh, they're, they're, it, it's a squalid offense. We saw what they did in the offseason, and they're living down to their billing right now. Yeah, I know. Today was rough against the Padres. The Reds are just, I mean, 2-11 out of the gate. I expected a little bit better from them. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, maybe not. Well, I expected closer to, like, 400 ball, not 200 ball. I guess that's the difference. And, you know, there'll be some ebbs and flows. Joey Votto got off to a really rough start. Tommy Pham didn't have his first hit until Saturday night. Uh, you know, it, it, it's been rough. They've, they've got 13 guys on the I.L. right now to the point where there's only three guys on the 40-man roster that aren't already up with the big club or on the I.L. It's, it's, it's tough right now. Uh, they were playing short with uh, Jonathan India Hurt, didn't put him on the I.L. until yesterday, finally. Uh, trying to find ways. They lost Tyler Stevenson last night. Uh, you know, they, 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 they were a bad team that got uh, really unlucky with injuries. What's your take on that Luke Voigt slide into Stevenson? You know, I think it's eye of the beholder. I, I think he probably could have done more to avoid contact. I don't think he did it. I don't think he purposely headhunted, but at the same time, he could have used a little bit more care. 
a bang bang play though. It, it's it's hard to get two out of works. I, you, you hate seeing a guy get hurt a uh, home plate collision. The, the throw brought him into the path. I thought Boyd could have done better to go low. Uh, he didn't do that. You know, there are so many guys that are injured right now. You know, Trout's supposed to come back Friday, but he's been out since getting hit in the hand by a pitch. Altuve goes on the uh, IL with the hamstring injury. Andrew Haney shut down with the shoulder issue. Uh, and then you've got uh, even guys on the paternity list like Austin Riley. It's just, it's wrecking havoc on uh, fantasy rosters everywhere. Yeah. Uh, the first week of the season, the oblique injury seemed to be the injury du jour, and there's still a lot of that. You know, I posted an update on Yon Moncada that he's taking quote unquote controlled swings right now for whatever that means. Uh, but, you know, you know it, it's going to be a while until we get all of our guys back, it seems like. I, I think, some, you know, injuries are a part of the game, but it feels like it, it's more present right now, perhaps because we had the hurried spring training. I feel like that with the oblique injuries, that might be there might be a correlation at least. I'm with you on that one. Uh, there are so many guys though that are going that are just flying out of the gate, and you look at uh, some of these players. Um, let's talk about names that maybe are not. You know, you get the usual suspects: the Jose Ramirez, Nolan Arenados. It's good to see Francisco Lindor back doing what he should be doing, which is hitting 300 with power for the Mets after uh, last uh, season, which was so subpar. But what about uh, a guy like CJ Crone, who's uh, just off to a terrific start with six home runs for the Rockies? Yeah, really barreling the ball right now. I think he's got seven barrels already. Uh, really locked in. It's fun to see. And uh, you know, the, the Rockies have been at home quite a bit at Coors Field. We'll see what happens when they hit the road. They've only had two road games in Texas so far, uh, and they bludgeoned the Rangers then, and they're subpar pitching staff. There's going to be tougher times ahead for them. I think they go to Chicago this weekend. You know, Ironically, it hasn't been very cold in Colorado at all. Uh, they're going to start getting a little bit of colder weather. Often the, the Rockies get screwed because you know they'll have – they're, they're, and early on, they'll either be traveling to cold weather places or playing their home games in, in cold weather. But it's been really mild in Denver so far. Uh, so they, they, you know, Crone's really benefited from that. Hasn't applied to every Rockies hitter. You know, Brendan Rodgers has been a huge disappointment so far. But yeah, uh, huge. You know what? It, it's fun. But you know, Crone, I, I'm happy to see him get off to a good start for the first time in his career. He's got a little stability contract-wise. He does. He does. And by the way, uh, one fantasy guy that's come out of nowhere so far early on is Connor Joe, one of my favorite names in baseball, and he's been terrific for the Rockies. Yeah, one of those guys that got his first chance at an older age. Uh, you know, he's he's not a young guy. He's twenty nine, if I'm not, if I recall correctly, uh, and got that first chance last year. Did well before he got hurt in September, but you know he. He's running with the opportunity. The fact that there's a DH in the National League now gives him a better chance of playing time, even with Chris Bryant signing, uh, and even with them going out and trading for Randall Grichuk, he still gets to play every day. And more often than not, he's batting leadoff, too, which you like to see. Absolutely right. Um, I know he's on the IL right now, but Owen Miller was off to a great start. Yeah, he sure was. It's a guy that had some power in the minor leagues and then, you know, Struggled when he got called up last year, but he's done more than Bobby Bradley so far. Now I think he went on the COVID IL today, so we'll see how long that lasts. You know, it seems like those stretches on the COVID IL are shorter than they were in the past. It's not always a positive COVID test. Seems like there's any illness now is a reason to throw a guy on the COVID IL, uh, and it 
get the work itself worked out. So watch for that one closely. We'll see what happens. Meanwhile, what do you think about Miami right fielder Jesus Sanchez and his start? Love him. Love him. I, I like what he did at the, beginning, at the end of the year last year. Tried. I wish I had him on more teams than I did. I, I, he was definitely a target in draft season. Still, I only got him, I think, in two or three leagues. But good power. I'd like to see. I wish there was a little bit more uh, speed, stolen bases. But aside from that, a uh, lot to like about his game. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention uh, Saya Suzuki. He's been great. Oh, love how he controls the strike zone. That's the thing that I like the most. I agree with you. We'll come back more with Jeff as we continue here on Sports Talk. But first, right back to Adrian and this Sports Center update. Chat. All right, so we've talked about some great hitters out of the gate. Let's talk about some of the best pitchers. We'll start with closers. I mean, Jordan Romano has six saves already for Toronto to lead the way. But then there's Taylor Rogers of San Diego with five. Uh, and, and, you know, same with Daniel Bard of Colorado. I mean, those are some names that a lot of people didn't have pegged at the start of the season. Well, yeah, Romano, I think, was getting drafted as a top-ten closer, but there, early on there was some concern that the Jays would not commit to him being a full-time closer. Obviously, that has been uh, alleviated uh, in a big way. Uh, Rogers, you know, they said when they traded for him that he'd be the closer the Padres did. Uh, so it's good to see that they've kind of followed that up, uh, and he, he's done a, done a great job so far. And you know, it didn't hurt his cause that Robert Suarez blew up on opening day. So there, even though Suarez has pitched better since then, but there's no real competition for the closer role for uh, Rogers. But Bard's an interesting one because they signed. You know, Alex Colomay was signed in the off season. Uh, Carlos Estevez ended last season as the closer. Bard had lost the job. Uh, after previously being the closer. But turns out he's taken the job and running with it so far. One blown save, got a win in that one, and four saves so far. The Rockies have played a lot of close games. Uh, that tends to help. And, you know, so far so good for him. You're going to deal with some uh, ratio issue, ratio issues for Bard. He's going to get a higher ERI and higher whip than most closers. But, you know, bad teams have closers too, you know, reasonable amount of closers too. And the Rockies aren't just aren't really truly bad. They're just a mediocre team, so should be plenty of opportunities for him. David Robertson's also pitched very well early on here for the Cubs. Yep. Yes, he sure has. You know, this is a guy that has three thirty save seasons under his belt. Uh, he's you know, 20, 21 months removed from Tommy John surgery, so that shouldn't be an issue anymore. And, and that's the thing. Sometimes a manager won't name a closer, but once a guy converts two, three, four in a row, Jobs his, and that so far that looks to be the case with Robertson. Be aware that Michael Gibbons did get one save uh, against the Rockies, I think, on Friday last week, Thursday or Friday last week. Uh, Robertson, they're, they're tending to use him sparingly. Either he, he gets the save or he's not pitching. Uh, so, you know, that, that, that's fine as long as he gets most of the save chances. Who's going to be closing right now uh, in Houston with Ryan Presley on the IL? My guess is that we'll probably see Hector Neris. Um, we haven't seen the save chance for the Astros since that happened, but Neris was the guy that everyone was bidding on last week. I think Ryan Stanek is the secondary option there. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I, I think it, from what I heard, it seems like it's going to be a pretty short stay on the IL for Presley. We'll see. All right. Uh, meanwhile, Pitchers that are coming out of the gate flying high. Musgrove and Manea have been amazing for the Padres. They sure have, and they're going deep in the games, too. 
you know, so many times we've been complaining about our starting pitchers not going deep. Well, that has not been an issue uh, for the Padres, and partially because they're doing so well they keep and keeping their pitch count nice and low. But uh, both those guys have been great, and Musgrove, he, you know, he's on a contract push right now, too. So this is really helping him out. Manaya obviously got dealt right at the start of the season. He looks good so far. Uh, makes the Padres' rotation pretty deep to the point where they're not really missing Blake Snell that much. Uh, we saw today, uh, you know, saw the kid, uh, Mackenzie Gore, pitch well against the Reds. He's yep. had two reasonably good starts so far. Uh, Padres are deep, and that they learned from last year. You can't have enough starting pitching. What do you do with Gore when Clevenger comes back and, and he's liable to join the uh, big league club this weekend? I wouldn't be surprised if they have a six-man rotation, uh, but even accounting for that, you know, I, I think it's, it's going to be tough when they get Snell and Clevenger back, but... Uh, maybe they carve out some other role for Gore because he, he's too good. Just to, I, I know you want to see him in El Paso, but he can help the big club now. He, he can. He's ready. He's pitching well. See, I think what they'll do is they'll turn Nick Martinez into a long relief swingman role, and then that'll open up the door for Clevenger and Snell and Gore to go six. Yeah, they could do that. I could see that happening. Uh, yeah, in fact, that might be the way to go, especially because Martinez... Yeah, you know, he's less pedigree. We've seen him in the bigs before, but uh, he wasn't all that successful as a starter in Texas. So, sure, I can see that happening. Other names I want to ask you about. Um, Shane McClanahan, uh, racking up the strikeouts early on for Tampa Bay. Yeah, just got to get him going deeper in games. Uh, but, yeah, he, he he's he's the real deal. I love watching him pitch. Yeah, he's got to him in his second start a little bit. Uh, but, you know, that, that happens sometimes. Uh, but I love watching the movement on his pitches. Yep. Uh, fun to see a lefty that can just bring it like that. Um, by the way, you know, you said get deeper in games. Do any Rays pitchers ever go more than five in a start? <laughs> they used to. Charlie Morton used to have a little bit of uh, a little bit of that rope until his last year there. Um, you know, I think that they're you know they could be. They run the risk of going kind of like the Padres did last year where they burnt out their bullpen, especially they already got a lot of uh, red notifications next to uh, their pitchers on the depth chart as it is. So possible. Uh, it's certainly possible that they could go a little deeper than the clan hand, but they got, they're taking the long view on this one, um, you know, especially with Shane Boz and Luis Patino out for a long time. Uh, they have to fill those innings somehow, uh, but – they're pretty creative in doing so, too. Josiah Gray has looked awfully good for Washington in his last two starts. Yep, uh, he sure has, uh, especially that second start against the Braves. Uh, I think, I mean, not, I'm sorry, not against the Braves, but their, his second start was pretty solid. Uh, last one against Arizona, got a little lucky early in that and then really finished strong. Against an Arizona lineup is just woefully bad. Uh, you want to, You really want to have your pitchers go against the uh, Diamondbacks right now, hitting well below 200. A lot of great stuff up on the website. Uh, I don't know what you want to cover today, whether it's the uh, FanDuel Sportsbook Daily Best Bets, uh, your your video, Keeper Cut or Trade, which you did with colleague Alan Seslowski, uh, Closer Encounters. You've got uh, just a, a ton. The injury report, what do you want to hit on? You know, I'm going to go even a little farther back, collect calls. Jason Collette wrote a great article talking about the low offensive environment in baseball. I think he posted it late last week, actually, uh, but it still applies now. Run scoring is way down in baseball. 
uh, and the ball is a big part of that. Uh, and that, that's been a kind of an, I think it's starting to get more attention in the game, but it, it's one that it's having a big impact on our fantasy leagues. Uh, fewer homers are getting hit. League-wide batting average is way down. And it's not just spring training, uh, shortened spring training. It's not just the colder weather. The ball is just not carrying. With the same exit velocity, it's not going as far. So uh, something to watch for to see if that continues. Good stuff as always, Jeff. Appreciate the time. We'll talk to you right back here again next week. You bet. Take care, Steve. You too. Jeff Erickson, rotowire.com, your one-stop shop for all your fantasy sports needs. 20 in front of 6. When we come back, the first of two movie reviews from Adrian Broadus. It's right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. It's such a bonus for us today. We get to do this not once, but twice. Adrian took care of business. He saw two movies. We're getting two reviews. The first of which comes here at the end of hour number two. We'll do it again in our six o'clock hour. Adrian, what the movie are you going to review for us and our listeners here uh, this hour? First hour, we're going with Johnny Dangerously, a uh-huh. movie that I watched last night, 1984. This movie was released. Uh, you could call it a mafia movie. You could call it a comedy movie. I think it's way more silly than a, than a mafia type of movie. Rotten Tomatoes didn't like this. They gave it 44%. IMDb gave it 6.5 out of 10. TV Guide, which I have not seen their reviews, they, they gave 54% on Johnny Dangerously. Uh, this one takes place 1910. Mike, Michael Keaton is Johnny. Uh, by the way, love Michael Keaton. I love. Uh, I have really enjoyed this one uh, that I got a chance to watch how he uh, how he acted in this game. Uh, this movie. Uh, he works with a gang. He tries to support his sick mom and then his brother who's going to law school. His brother is Tommy, and then the biggest rival. He joins this like gang, and their biggest rival is Maroney. But my favorite scene in this uh, in this film was when Maroney sends the dummy to go shoot up the office they open up the the like the little box or whatever the dummy starts shooting up the office and then they like cut the scene and you just see uh, you see johnny like flying in a plane and he's dropping a bomb on maroney's club like that was hilarious then it, it cuts one scene to the next maroney is like uh in ashes that like club and everything like that it was so funny um no, no one dies at that point. But then, of course, uh, Johnny he uh, he he gets uh, uh, Maroney really upset. Uh, fast forward later into this movie, Tommy graduates from law school. He joins the DA, who, by the way, district attorney is Danny DeVito. I love the fact that he was in this film. Um, uh, Johnny is then later on framed for murder. He he's he has to go on death row. Uh, his brother Tommy is going up against him in this. And then, uh, by the way, I I. I kind of lost out on the villain of this one, but it's Vermin. How about a villain and antagonist named Vermin? That is so fitting right there. Has the ugliest eyebrows you're ever going to see in film. And uh, it ends in a positive way. Uh, Johnny saves Tommy. He escapes death row. Uh, Like the finish of this one, it was a short film too, Steve. Hour 30 minutes. Uh, I'll give this one 6 out of 10 bananas. I knew you were going 6 out of 10. So you're almost in line with all the reviews on IMDb. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, 6 out of 10 for this one. I uh, I thought it was okay. It was, you know, it, 
it kind of at points I was like, "Wow, Sopranos takes a, yeah. takes a little bit out of this." And then I thought at other points, like yeah, it just got a little silly. It dragged on at points, a little outdated at times, but well, worth the watch. And I, I like Michael Keaton a lot, and I love Danny DeVito. Awesome. All right, yeah, me too. I mean, that's uh, part of the fun when you're watching movies like this are the stars, and Keaton and yeah. DeVito are so good. So and that villain, I'm telling you, Vermin, those eyebrows are were disgusting. Was there a female uh, female lead in this movie too? Uh, yeah, that's the the girl that Johnny falls in love with in this one, and then all that stuff. Uh, I forgot her name. I'm I'm thinking of my next movie, which is uh, which is uh, all the all the moves and oh, all the right moves. That's and a I'm classic. thinking of Lisa in that movie, but uh, I'm getting buried in Johnny dangerously. As far as I think it was, li- uh, I'm looking it up right now. Mario Lou, Mary uh, Lou Henner, Henner. Okay, Mary okay. Lou Henner was from Taxi. She played okay. Nardo. Oh, Taxi's also on my list. Well, taxi, not taxi driver, taxi. Taxi is a is a show. It's a, it was a oh, sitcom right. <laughs> in the. Uh, it really was a sitcom in the late seventies, early eighties. Danny DeVito's in that. You got Alex. You got Judd Hirsch. You got uh, uh, Jeff. Uh, what's Jeff's last name? I should remember this. Um, and and then you've got uh, Mary Lou Henner as well. And that was the one where Latka was uh, in that. And um, you know, there's some there's some classics in Taxi. I mean, I figured you would have you would have you've never seen Taxi no. at all. I think it's on Hulu. Oh, really? You the might, whole the whole show? Yeah, you might need to see that. Jeff Conway was who I was thinking of, and uh, and then of course Andy Kaufman, Christopher Lloyd, Tony Danza. It's an all star cast. Wow. Okay. Okay. What was that on? Like as far as TV goes. Um, ABC. Okay, nice. Do you have, nice. Para- do you have Paramount Plus? No, I do not. All right, it's on Paramount Plus, okay. of course. So we can't. Okay. Uh, get- no, uh, seasons one through five on Hulu. Okay, I can watch that. Tell me, you'll you'll love uh, you'll love Taxi too. I promise you. If you like, if you like Devito, uh, then you'll you'll enjoy that. Oh, by the way, I skipped over Joe Piscopo, who is also in this film. Piscopo's underrated in yeah. Johnny Dangerously. I mean, I'm telling you, those eyebrows are scary, man. And uh, I watched a lot of those classic SNLs, uh, so I do, li- I do like to watch Joe Piscopo from time to time. Uh, first off, Piscopo was the partner of Eddie Murphy. They worked together in so many great ways. Uh, and yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun to it's a lot of fun to see those two uh, when they were together, and I can imagine why. Uh, yeah, Piscopo, one of the more underrated uh, actors from the '80s. So what about other movies with him? With Piscopo, yeah. Oh God! Um, I was trying to think that. I think about that when this was going on. I'm looking up this right now. Dead Heat, Wise Guys. Wise Guys is good. Okay. Wise Guys is good. That okay. that might be the best. That might be the best of the group. Honestly, Sidekicks. I'd still go Wise Guys over Sidekicks. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Um, let me think. Oh yeah, he's Mo Dickstein in Wise Guys. Wise Guys is hilarious. So. That might be the best one of all of them. I'll be honest with you. I think you're. I think you're pretty safe there. I really do. So, okay, sounds right. good to me. Good stuff. Uh, wrapping up hour number one. So you've already given away your second movie, but if people didn't catch the Easter egg that came out of uh, Adrian's mouth, we'll do it again in our six o'clock hour uh, as we wind things up. So that'll be coming up here uh, in in just a little bit. We got plenty more to uh, discuss in hour number three, including more of your phone calls. 915-505-6009 gets you through to Sports Talk right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Welcome back. Final hour of Sports Talk underway. 915-505-6009, the telephone number. 
That is 915-505-6009. Pinky tweets the show, for the use of my name in advertising, my fee is one Michelada from Brew Sports Bar on North Mason Crossroads. Thank you. Go Giants. Did we use Pinky's name in uh, advertising? I don't think we did, but we could we could use it right now. We could. Maybe we so. It's not bad. Uh, Cesar Cubillos tweets the show at 600 ESPN El Paso. The best Joe Piscopo movie was Johnny Dangerously with Michael Keaton, Peter Boyle, and Danny DeVito. You shouldn't hang me on a hook. My father hung me on a hook once. Once. I like line. those once lines. Those are great. Thank you, Cesar. Caesar, who also has uh, convinced uh, Jeff Erickson yesterday that you were leaving for the Kiss Morning Show. Good job, Caesar. He's a man. My goodness. All right. Um, once again, would love to hear from you um, as we continue here on the program. Um, 505-6009, our telephone number on Sports Talk, 505 as we continue here on the show, lots of NBA playoff action as they as that continues. How big of a game uh, two is it between the Celtics and uh, the the Nets after what went down at the end of Game One? Yeah, I think it's really big. I I know that everybody wants to talk about the Kyrie situation, which is valid. I mean, uh, it's a city in Boston that can't stand uh, Kyrie Irving, who played with the Celtics just less than three years ago, and uh, it's weird to say that that uh, they're so far removed. It's become a rivalry in in the NBA right now, but that's just what it is. Boston was not afraid of Brooklyn in this series, and what Boston wanted to do is play them here in the first round, but Boston's got to step up, and uh, to start things off, Brooklyn looks sharp in this uh, game, too. They sure do. They sure do. Uh, And they're going to need to, because uh, you don't want to go down 2 nothing. You don't. Especially as close as you were to winning game one. Man, right there. Right there down the stretch. Uh, here as we continue on Sports Talk. All right, line ringing in, 505-6009, our telephone number. Hey, let's go to Mike in Horizon. Excited about this call. Mike, welcome back. How are things going out there in uh, in Horizon City? Oh, it's uh, it's booming. It's growing. If you haven't been out there in a while, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you know if you have. But yeah, I'm, I'm calling to – and I, I know everybody's been talking about the transfer portal. From a fan – perspective longtime UTEP fan born into it in 1963 my mom was a cheerleader in the 50s when Don Maynard played football my my wife's uncle played basketball at the same time John Sanders big family I hate the transfer portal I hate it as a fan and as mid-majors isn't there anything that all the mid-majors can do to boycott the NCAA and somehow sway the NCAA back to doing it the way it was before. I didn't mind it the way it was before where they could transfer, but they give up a year. Do you think there's a prayer in hell that's ever going to go back to the way it was? Uh, No, I don't. Do you? Oh, God. No. I didn't want to hear that. No, I don't think so. Why? I mean, you know, from a mid-major standpoint, how is a mid-major ever going to be able to fill the program? Uh... I mean, you just have to have the right coach, the right recruiters, and the right formula. I mean, you're going to be able to do it. You just It's not going to yeah. be easy. It's just, you know what it is? Yeah. We said this yesterday on the show, Mike. It's a new era in college basketball. It's just yeah. new. And because it's a new era, you know. that just means that you just have to figure it out because it's going to be, uh, yeah. it's just going to be, it's just going to be something different. That's all. 
Well, it's kind of like all of us with, you know, a lot of people with the pandemic had to reinvent themselves, right? So exactly. I guess uh, the mid-majors, the, the, the blue chip, you know, the blue, the blue, blue bloods, you know, the big school, they're not going to have a problem. It's going to help them, but it's going to hurt the mid-majors. So I guess, you know, we're going to see just how good Golding is because if he can recruit players that stay and are committed to him and to the program, right, in the next two to three years, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I hate the transfer portal. I really do as a fan. Maybe he it's, just figures out a way to get the best players on a yearly yeah. basis. I mean, that's what other coaches yeah. are going to do. Listen, uh, what I've, I've, yeah. talked to, I've talked to a lot of people in this business at the head coaching level, and they all say the same thing. They tell me that they are not concerned about two years from now, three years, four years. All they're concerned about is year to year, and they're going to build a yeah. team like that because they know they, they just can't worry about you know building the way they used mm-hmm. to because those days are over. Yeah. you got to kind of treat it like uh, Saban with Alabama. They're going to be one and done. <laughs> exactly, or better yet, yeah. uh, Coach Cal with Kentucky. Well, that's true. Or Calipari, he's done the same thing. Exactly. Right? Back when he was at Memphis. And, and so, Kentucky. Yeah. And Kentucky, because all of his guys usually leave and go to the NBA every year. Yeah, that's true. So I guess they just have to do that. And then, like uh, Golding did, brought in that big big kid from the Ju- JUCO ranks. You know, got to you know, look for good players that uh, developed in their freshman year and, and try to get them to come, too. I guess that'll help. But, 100%. Yeah, I, just, I, I mean, I understand they're going away, but I hate it. And I think most fans hate it. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I don't it, think there's any fan that's going to tell you they really like the portal. Yeah. So I guess the fans don't matter to the NCAA anymore. No. <laughs> you know what it is? The athletes matter more than anybody. And that's what they've done. They've they've given the athletes yeah. all the control, if you think about it. Now they get money-making mm-hmm. opportunities with the NIL. Which is fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's just Which a lot of, lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, I just had to call and gripe and say hi and uh, let everybody know how I feel about it because I hate it. <laughs> Appreciate that, Mike. Thanks so much. Thanks, man. All Take care. Um, I don't think there's going to be anybody, anybody calling uh, into the show that's going to tell you they really love the portal. You know that? Yeah, I think the only person who would who would do that is your younger fan who's not even a UTEP fan. They're just a college basketball fan, and they'll latch themselves onto high school prospects. They'll follow them all the way through high school, like them in college, and then they're just fans of the person themselves, the, the player. They're not a fan of the team or the university and things like that. And I think that's common among young basketball fans, Steve. I just feel like there are so many fans that have grown up their whole lives watching the sport, and now they have to understand that it's the 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 game they've grown up rooting for and watching is over. It's changed, and or it's changing. It's gonna. I think it's gonna continue to evolve. Adrian, as we've talked about this, I think what's gonna happen is people are gonna. There's gonna be such an outcry with what's happening that they're going to figure out a way to modify things. It might never be back to the way it was, but it's not going to get as out of hand as it is right now. And I also, I, you know, I think NIL has really influenced tra- the transfer portal for better or for worse. And I think it's it sides with the worst side of this, Steve, because you're seeing these players go off and sign NIL deals, but they never really do anything. Like, yeah. you never see any of these players go off and endorse uh, things. Maybe they do it uh, at some degree, but it's not at the, the level that they're getting paid for. Like, you know, for example, Spencer Rattler going over to South Carolina, getting a, a really nice NIL 
NIL deal to go over there. Well, what has he done so far? Like, you never really see things like this come out of the athlete on social media or even on the, the company's social media page. No, you're right. And yet, NIL is, um, you know, it, it's just, it's there now. And everybody has it. At least the Power Fives all have it, and they're all working on uh, using it at their disposal. How about what New Mexico State is doing, where they set up almost like an NIL umbrella that's allowing athletes now to go with them, and then they'll find opportunities for them? Yeah. Yeah, this is really cool what uh, New Mexico State fans have done for like the NIL for the student athletes at New Mexico State because it's allowing these athletes to profit off their name like uh, name image likeness while also creating some really nice apparel with this. So we've seen like uh, t-shirts for guys like Johnny McCants or just, you know, players who haven't necessarily stepped on the court or made like a household name for themselves get these NIL opportunities with different uh, companies in, in Las Cruces. And I, I think that's that's the right way to go about something like this. You you give the athletes the power, and then you allow them to go out and do the selling and stuff like that. And then you have somebody in the middle working on the money side. So what exactly have they done? Have they gone ahead, and does this company actually farm out NIL opportunities to other businesses? Is that what they're doing? They're like brokers? Or are they the ones that are actually putting the money deals together for the athletes? That's a See, the the second question that you just asked, I'm not sure if they're allowed to do that stuff, but I'm sure those things go on behind closed doors, right? Like uh, the NIL uh, deals and how they get situated and stuff. But what A Mountain Sports has done, and all you have to do is just go AggieNIL.com to see this example. Uh, they try to get people to sponsor uh, you know, different athletes, so they put and list a sponsorship level. There's a silver, gold, and platinum level, and it ranges anywhere from, you know, you can donate however much you have, $10,000, $1,000 a month, all the way up to $24,000 a year that this, uh, th- this website will take people's uh, donations for, and then to convert it to NIL deals. Ah, I got you. I got you. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. 12 past the hour as we continue. By the way, great job uh, by Esteban. Um, uh, heads up. I used Pinky's name in that uh, Brian Bird's commercial about the sellers from Socorro. He's right. Oh, okay. I did. I did. I was just trying to give Pinky a shout out, but if he's if he wants uh if he wants a finder's fee and wants beer, then I might I might not have to be able to do that anymore. You know what I mean? That's yeah. It's gonna get expensive after a while for me. Every time I use that Socorro reference, I can't I can't throw his name out there. That's funny. That's right, so Pinky and Socorro. I I I totally missed that, but uh, credit to Esteban for catching everything. Good job, Esteban. Esteban, I tried to play dumb. I I do not want anybody to know about that. But thank you, Esteban. Thanks for blowing my cover here in my final hour of sports talk. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, 505-6009 as we continue on the show. Also, this tweet from Eric the number 48. NCAA don't care about the little guys. I agree completely because uh, the NCAA wants to work with the teams that will make them money, Mm -hmm. that they have deals with as far as television rights and who are going to turn on television sets. So, yeah, the NCAA doesn't care about the little guys. And the only only team that you could say are little guys but they're big in basketball, that's uh, Gonzaga, okay? Uh, That's a small school, no football, but they're so big in basketball, they're, they're, they're essentially a high major power. That's right. And for Gonzaga, that's also a that's a program that has a laundry list of donors that they could pull from from time to time. And uh, they can also hand out a lot of these NIL deals to student athletes. No, you're right about that. You're absolutely uh, right about that. So uh, good conversation, good topics. And I just I, I do feel for fans. I, I do, because 
fans, like, you know, you've grown up watching college sports forever and you do grow attached to athletes. Uh, you can't, you, you can't grow attached anymore, Adrian. It's almost as if those days are over now. You, you have to lose the attachment because you realize that it's going to be rare to get a player coming in as a freshman and spend all four years with your program. That's sad. I mean, that's, that's a really sad thing that's going on across college sports, and there's really no solution right there. But I, I feel for UTEP fans who went to the you know games this past year in both men and women's basketball and saw and rooted for some of their favorite players like Sule Boom, Katia Gallegos, uh, whoever it might be, and now they see them in the portal leaving UTEP. I got a better one for you, okay? Um, if you are a local business, how do you put together NIL opportunities for prospective student-athletes with the, with the realization that they only might be there for a year? So, I mean, that's another thing to think about, okay? We haven't talked about this yet. We've talked about, okay, you want to offer these athletes money because... You, you want them to feel like there is a financial incentive to coming here like there is so many other places. But what do you do if you offer these big athletes money and one year they're here, one year they're gone? It's almost as if the NILs are going to say, forget it. What's the point of going on a year-to-year basis with so many of these student-athletes considering they're leaving us? I'll give you a great example. Quinn Ewers signs with Ohio State out of high school, the, the Austin, Texas product quarterback who's supposed to be uh, you know, the next uh, best quarterback in college football. He signs an NIL deal with Ohio State for $1.4 million. Well, November. So we're talking about a three-month period that Quinn Ewers was in Columbus, Ohio, at Ohio State, never played a single snap for the Buckeyes, he enters the transfer portal, joins Texas, and yeah, he cashes out on that $1.4 million NIL deal, and he never stepped foot on the field. Isn't that amazing? $1.4 million, and you never play a snap at that school. Like, how do you justify that if you're a business <laughs> Like, and well, you lose those kinds of dollars? The big schools can afford to, okay? They can. They can afford to. They'll throw, they'll throw those dollars around like it's Monopoly money because they know they have to. But mid-majors can't. That's the thing. Schools like this can't afford to do stuff like that, even at any level right now. So that's what you say. What are you going to do as far as, you know, trying to uh, go out and invest properly with the hopes that your guy is going to stick around more than one year? That's a tough uh, ask for uh, the city of El Paso, local businesses and stuff like that, when they know that the turnover here in El Paso is, uh, uh, you know, it's it's just, it is what it is. It, you know, the turnover, you see some of the best players entering the portal. I think the best uh, idea, if you're a local business wanting, wanting to do NIL deals, year to year, just yep. year to year, and look at it as more of supporting the team instead of supporting an individual player. Agreed. Agreed completely. 505-6009. Let's send it over to Charlie. He's hanging out with a traffic update for us. Back on Sports Talk as we continue. All right, so Debo Samuel wants out of San Francisco because they haven't locked him up. It's big news, especially if the 49ers accommodate his request to be traded. 
you think there's any chance San Francisco deals him? No, no, I don't. Uh, I see this being a, 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 an issue where both parties just look at each, each other. They're staring at each other, and uh, one of them has to give. I, I'm siding with San Francisco. I think they let this drag out, and with Debo Samuel, his athleticism, what he shows in his versatility, yeah, he could pick it up in, in the middle in the midway point of training camp or uh, close to the season start, and he'll be just fine. I definitely know that. But you think about places he could go. The Chiefs would love him to replace uh, you know, Tyreek Hill. The Jets would love him. They need a bona fide. And they've got picks, by the way. They've got two top 10 picks along with four in the top 38. They could offer San Francisco a lot of draft collateral. So could the Lions. The Saints have two top 20 picks. The Packers need some uh, receiving. There's so many teams that could give uh, San Francisco what they want. It would be fascinating to me to see if uh, the Niners decide to cut ties with Debo. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at that Jets landing spot. Uh, there's so many connections, Steve, and there's so many reasons why they would be aggressive in this situation. First, it's the Sala connection. Yep. He knows Debo Samuel very well. Uh, you look at the New York Jets as they stand right now. They were out and very active trying to trade for Tyreek Hill when he was on the market. 100%. Same with Dev- Devontae Adams. Maybe this is their their wide receiver to finally get. They missed out on those two guys. Maybe they could try to get Debo. I mean, now, now the thing is this: if you trade for Debo, you got to sign him. Yeah, definitely. You got to pay him big money too. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You sign him, you're going to have to pay him. He's going to make a lot of money, just like Tyreek. Same deal, no difference. So they're similar in that regard. Now, how old is Debo Samuel? Uh, let me check. I, I know he's a little younger, and uh, he's he's pretty fresh in the league too, Steve. So that's the one thing that's uh, an advantage right now uh, if you're trading for a guy like this. Yeah, only 26 years old. Perfect. So he's, essentially you're getting a guy like that in his prime. Yep, you're getting him in, in his Prime peak. years. And he plays two positions. That's another cool thing. You look at Cordell Patterson, yep. all the all the benefits he had with Atlanta. I mean, just look at Debo this past season and all the ways the Niners used him in the offense. But my question is this, okay? The draft is so rich in receivers this year. Game-breaking, game-changing receivers. Do you just hold... Uh, Stan Pat, you're going to sign those guys to cheap four-year contracts. You're not going to have to worry about breaking the bank for a while. Or do you risk it and give up picks and then serious money for a guy like Debo Samuel? If you're Green Bay, I could totally understand why. Although, they're in cap hell. So, really, they make no sense either. Because they look at what it took just to try to get them under the cap this year. I don't know if I could see them going ahead and offering big money to Debo. Yeah, that's why I still look at a team who who needs kind of that number one guy, maybe who already has some younger receivers on their roster right there. Uh, I look at even the New Orleans Saints. Like, they had that marriage with Michael Thomas that has just gone, uh, you know, to to the you know to uh, it's just been the worst thing ever, Steve. Last with, couple of years have been a disaster for Michael. Big Thomas. time disaster. Whether it's injuries or just as off the field issues, whatever it is. So the Saints could be aggressive if, with their two first round draft picks and trying to trade uh, for Debo Samuel and, and pairing him with Jameis Winston. They need some more in their offense. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Twenty five past the hour. If you want to weigh in, nine one five five zero five six zero zero nine. Uh, but if I'm San Francisco and I have teams that are throwing multiple picks, whether they're uh, a first and then a high second, uh, you really start to think about that because you realize the ultimate value that is 
unloading a guy and getting serious draft collateral in return. And, that, and, it's, and teams are going to be able to make out very well when it's all said and done. And the 49ers could be a team that gets set up perfectly for this. What's the goal this year for the 49ers? Because they're they're trading away Jimmy G, right? If they don't you trade think, him. You think it has to happen. If they don't, then they're going to release him. Like that, It's it's going to be one of the two things right there. So that means that either it's A, you're the new era, you're introducing the new era of Trey Lance. Yep. B, you're trading for another veteran quarterback while you continue to groom Trey Lance like Baker Mayfield and bring him into the system. But what are you trying to do? Are you trying to win the division? Are you trying to go to the playoffs and actually make a Super Bowl run? Or are you trying to hit a full rebuild mode? And if they're trending in that direction, maybe it's time to cash out on Debo Samuel instead of paying him big dollars. I think that what it is more than anything else right now, and it's a great point to bring it up, it really is, I think that they're in rebuild mode if they get rid of Jimmy G. I don't see Trey Lance winning with them anytime soon. So for that matter, and that matter only, yeah, I think that that's exactly uh, the case. You know, they're going to go ahead and uh, more than likely try and, 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 and sell high on a guy like that. If I was running the San Francisco 49ers, I would trade for Baker Mayfield. I think his value is very low right now. I would try to go for a fifth or sixth round pick, and I would just try to steal him away so that you could, A, have a starting quarterback this year and not have to rely on Trey Lance, and B, still contend. If that's your approach right there, then you sign Debo Samuel at that point, and then next year, hopefully for the 49ers, Trey Lance is ready to go, and he could be your next quarterback. 100%. 100%. So, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a great topic to discuss because more than anything, um, you know, the 49ers are going to have a big decision to make because there's going to be a ton of teams throwing picks at them, a lot of draft, uh, a lot of draft capital. And they just have to decide, uh, do they hold uh, tight and, and pay the man? Because, see, if, even if they go into full rebuild mode, he's a rebuilding block. He's the kind of guy you want. So why trade him? Yeah, you, you, there's, it makes no sense to trade somebody like that, uh, as talented and as young as he is. Uh, going with some of those trade suitors real quick, Steve, going with the Packers and the Chiefs, if those two teams right there didn't want to pay their own star that they had, Devontae Adams, uh, Tyreek Hill, it, it, it would be tough for those teams to go out and try to pay Debo Samuel that kind of money right there. So maybe we try to rule those teams out unless they're they're aggressive at some point and they keep Debo Samuel and maybe uh, bring him on for a contract-friendly deal, but I don't see that happening right there. I think you have to break the bank for Debo, Debo Samuel. You're right, and you need a team that has money to do that, and and the Packers don't. So, I, I you know, I mean, the Packers, it makes sense because they need it, but, um, I mean, they trade, they, they trade Devontae Adams to the Raiders. You know Aaron Rodgers would love Samuel, but I, I just don't know how. First off, there's two things. Do you really trade to a team in your division or your conference that you know is uh, the favorite to go to the championship if they get them? That's another thing. Do you really want to help the Packers out right now? No, and I, I don't think Shanahan likes to trade with LaFleur. I think they have this like uh, friendly rivalry, but those guys are cut from the same cloth. They come from the same coaching tree. Yeah, those those guys don't want to trade with each other at all. No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I, if, I was, if I was San Francisco and you're going to trade them, trade them out of the league. 
Yeah. Trade him out of the conference. Trade him to a team that you do not have to worry about. Hey, a sneaky team that you might not have to worry about that Ian Rappaport reported as far as a, uh, a possibility out there. The Detroit Lions, who hold picks 32 from the Los Angeles Rams and 34, uh, which is their second-round draft pick. You pair Debo Samuel with a guy who who stormed onto the scene late last season, Amon Ross St. Brown. Yep. Uh, that's a nice tandem right there. You just need a quarterback to throw to those guys. Can can you imagine though, if the Chiefs get him and you've got Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman, uh, MVS, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and you add Debo Samuel to that mix? You think uh, Patty Mahomes will be chopping at the bit? Oh, he'd be ecstatic for that. I still don't know if they're the they're the second or first best uh, receiving core in the AFC West, just knowing what the Broncos and the Raiders and the Chargers have. It's going to be amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, just think about how good that AFC West is going to be. Best, AFC probably West. the best, probably the best ever. AFC West, NFC West, those are the best. Yeah, it's crazy. Bottom of the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk, 915-505-6009. Get you through to the show. That's 505-6009. We'll keep things moving with more right after Adrian and this Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. I don't know if you heard about this story or not, but this is crazy. Um, this evening, uh, the Nats were playing in a pregame uh uh, I guess a demonstration against the Diamondbacks at Nationals Park and the U.S. Capitol was briefly evacuated when police identified an aircraft that they said posed a probable threat but turned out to be an aircraft carrying members of the U.S. Army Golden Knights who parachuted into Nationals Park for the pregame. Oh man, no one gave them the memo, Steve. Isn't that nuts? This is D.C. we're talking about. This isn't just, you know, Texas Rangers baseball or something like that. This is this is in the nation's capital. How do you not let them know um, and coordinate with law enforcement officials in D.C. with what the Nats were doing? How do you drop the ball on that one? I thought that has to be in place before you even think about doing things like this. Like, how did it get this far along? I don't know. I don't know, but I thought that whole thing was crazy, too. So uh, I saw that story earlier, and then... Uh, and think about this. Thank God. I mean, thank God that they didn't scramble any of the surface to uh, air missiles or the um, you know military air crews on round the clock alert. Could you imagine oh, if that would have happened? Oh no. yeah, that would have been even more of a disaster right there. Uh, what a big false talk about a false alarm right there out in D.C. But yeah, I mean, come on, somebody uh, forgot to send the memo or something. Well, officials believe based on a preliminary review, the pilot might not have properly reported taking off or had appropriate uh, clearance. Is what we're hearing. So. Yeah, and apparently around 6.30, so about, four th- about two hours ago our time, the alert from the U.S. Capitol Police sent congressional staffers fleeing from the Capitol and legislative building. Yeah, this is uh, an interesting climate to send out these kind of uh, emergency alerts right there. But, yeah, that's uh, hey, they have to be prepared for anything right there. And when they see something that's not looking right and uh, no one briefs them on what's going on, I, I understand why they would take these kind of precautionary measures. Yep, I would too, but that's a crazy situation when you really start to think about what what went down there so 34 now past the hour still to come adrian's uh, movie review uh number two we did one in the five o'clock hour we'll do one again here uh during our uh, final countdown on sports talk and excited about uh, doing that and then uh, we're back at it tomorrow and friday for 
two more three-hour extravaganzas here on the program. We've talked about uh, a lot of different good topics today, though. NFL talk with Debo Samuel uh, wanting out of San Francisco because he hasn't gotten paid. We've talked a little NBA playoff action. We've talked some baseball today with Jay Jaffe and Jeff Erickson. We've got Chihuahuas coming up in about an hour and 25 minutes with Hags. Clevenger went three innings yesterday. I, I think Hags said he was expecting him to go four, but he ended up going three, and then the floodgates opened up once the uh, the bullpen went in. Yeah, I mean, Clevenger just allowed one run on three hits and struck out five, so uh, a, a nice uh, a nice return right there at the AAA level for Mike Clevenger, and uh, yeah, for the Chihuahuas yesterday, come on, I mean, allowing a, a two-run shot in, in the end to lose this game, that's a, that's a tough way to lose on the road in Vegas. No, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you. All right. Uh, 25 in front of 7 right now as we continue here on Sports Talk. Um, in the meantime, we've got uh, more coming up uh, on the show as we continue our conversation. Here's another story we have not discussed yet, but uh, this is not good for the golden boy. Oscar De La Hoya has been accused of sexual assault in a lawsuit filed today against him and his tequila brand, Casa Mexico according to court documents um, obtained by ESPN. A woman who was a former employee of Casa Mexico alleges in the filing that De La Hoya sexually harassed and sexually assaulted her on two separate occasions. The lawsuit is a counter-complaint filed in uh, L.A. Superior Court against Casa Mexico, company executives Michael Gooch and Robert Croson, DV Capital Partners, and De La Hoya. So, um, according to the filing... Casa Mexico organized a company event in Mexico to visit the brand's distillery in March of 2020. The former employee alleges that in, on the first night there, she awoke to De La Hoya knocking on her hotel room door. When she opened the door, she said she saw De La Hoya with his pants down around his ankles. She claims he forced his way into her room and got into her bed. Per the suit, the woman pushed him out of her bed and walked him back to his room. The next morning, when De La Hoya failed to show up for a scheduled meeting to tour the distillery, the woman claims she went to his room to wake him and alleges De La Hoya pulled her into his bed and sexually assaulted her. That's terrible news right there, Steve, and I, I really feel for the woman who is the uh, the unfortunate subject of this sexual harassment. She, you know, this is terrible news right here by Oscar De La Hoya, if this is true. And uh, yeah, this is just this is disgusting stuff that you're hearing right here. And this is twice in 2020. Absolutely. That's right. Um, not good uh, at all if you're De La Hoya. So we'll see how he uh, you know, what happens here. And then, you know, goes goes from, uh, you know, goes from. One situation to another. Remember, he was attempting a comeback, attempting a comeback, and now Oscar uh, could be in in a in a bad bad spot. Especially now, if these allegations are true, uh, you wonder the effect it'll have on the promotion company Golden Boy and really uh, De La Hoya's off the ring reputation because it's going to take a huge hit. It will, and for Oscar De La Hoya, who's also, you know, he tested positive for COVID-19 and canceled that fight that he had back in September. Yep. Just seemed like he could never really get back onto the uh, in the ring and actually fight, despite creating a lot of hype for his comeback. So, yeah, it's just very bizarre news right here that's, that's unfolding with him. I'm with you on that one. All right, we're going to come back with more and wrap up uh, the show with Adrian's movie review, 38 past, as Sports Talk continues right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. Final countdown here on Sports Talk as we wrap up another three-hour edition with you.
You want to weigh in in the final few minutes, 505-6009, our telephone number, 505-6009, gets you through to the program. Uh-oh. Yes! That's right! We did it last hour, and we're doing it again this hour. Adrian watched two last night, so that means... We bring you another edition of Adrian's Movie Reviews right here on Sports Talk. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I liked this movie. All the Right Moves is what I watched from 1983. Real quick, uh, as far as my timeline last night, got home, uh, watched a little bit of Memphis, Minnesota, the Timberwolves game. That game was terrible. So I I said, all right, I'm going to watch Johnny Dangerously first so i watched that one once that movie was over hour 30 was perfect timing the suns pelicans game was heating up got to watch the end of that then switched over to all the right moves about 10 30 in in bed by midnight oh wow so you were able to get you were able to get through this movie by midnight yes and uh thanks to my ipad i could always uh watch uh the nba games while i also watch these movies there you Uh, go but uh let's jump into this young tom cruise which you hinted at uh to me earlier you know in my movie review series that I would get a chance to watch some young Tom Cruise this was my first opportunity to do it uh, young Tom Cruise is Steph who is a defensive back for a small town rudderless uh, football program at, at the high school level his town is like this small town in Midwest America that's just like uh, you know it's hit, it's being hit by the recession you could tell uh, his dad works at this steel factory he, it's just like you know the Steph does not want to go through this same uh you know the same spiral and become a steel mill worker like mm-hmm. his dad he mm-hmm. wants to get out of town he wants to get a scholarship wants to play football uh you get a lot of good stories from him and his teammates him and his girlfriend which is lisa and uh takes place in the 80s so uh steph wants to do whatever it takes to get to this uh to get to um the next level and play college football this is the absolute anti-transfer portal, anti-player <laughs> empowerment movie I think I can watch because the coach continued to harp on on Steph. Uh, I, I couldn't stand the, the coach because he you know, he says that Steph quit on the team. He has this argument with him outdoors. Uh, you know, he's sabotaging him behind the bat, behind his back for a scholarship. Oh, but at the end, he still uh, he gets hired at a at a college and then gives him a uh, scholarship. I I think this one gets my first ever plain banana award. Okay, Steve, this is a five out of ten bananas. Uh, very plain, plain. banana. Now listen, uh, Craig T. Nelson, who by the way starred on the uh, hit ABC show Coach for years, a comedy show called Coach. He had a different role in this movie. He wasn't a likable character like he was when he was such a goofy coach during the uh, sitcom. And you got to realize, Leah Thompson's in this. She was in Back to the Future. Um, It's a great cast. It really is. I, I really enjoyed the cast as well. Uh, I didn't realize Craig T. Nelson was in a lot of these. Like, I'm looking at his uh, IMDb page right yeah, now, yeah. Steve. He's, like, in the Poltergeist, like the new version. He's in Incredibles 2. So, as far as longevity, I mean, he's he has it right here. Man, 5 out of 10. You did not, uh, you did not like uh, all the right moves. No, I, I didn't. It wasn't that I didn't like it. It wasn't that I, didn't, uh, that I disliked it. It was just plain. It's a plain banana award. It was fine. Okay. Nothing special. 
Yeah. No, it, uh, no chocolate coated banana here. You know, I, I was even trying to think like, what's the best scene? Like, I was, I was just trying to think in my head. I, the, the scenes that stick out to me are all the sad and like the, the depressing scenes with like the coaches like uh, grilling Steph in the locker room and stuff like that. So yeah, it, it's a, it was very plain. It's fine. Is it one of the weaker sports movies you've ever watched? See, that's the thing is, I think I like if this was my first ever sports movie, I would have been like, "Man, Steve, I love this! Like, this was this was awesome." But you know, it had a little bit of Invincible in it. It yep. had a little bit of uh, a little bit of like uh, the. This sounds kind of weird, but it has a little bit of Tommy Boy in it. Just kind of like the the scene and like the se- the setting yep. and everything like that. So yeah, I would say that all the sports movies, all the football movies, even a little Friday Night Lights, and uh, you know, remember the Titans kind of inspiration from this one it's also very dated yes it is so all right well it's okay no i'm I'm happy i watch young tom cruise i need to watch some younger tom cruise movies well all i can tell you is you know it's i'm not surprised uh i'm not surprised about that i have a recommendation for you if it's available if it's available oh you have uh, imdb tv right because Uh, it's because that's free free. yeah that's on like roku yeah, exactly. Okay, so it's free on IMDb. Tonight, you have an hour and 44 minutes of your time? Yes, I do. I'm going to give you a 1986 football movie that's a little different. Go watch um, The Best of Times. Okay, The Best of Times. Got it. Robin Williams, Kurt Russell. Ooh, okay. You got me You got me there. All right. The Best of Times. I'm yep. in. Sounds great. A small-town loser determines to have one more shot at the big time by winning a football game. This sounds good. Okay, I, and I love Robin Williams, so I'm down. All right, that'll be that'll be uh, tonight's movie. Okay, there you go. I'm good. Best, best of times. Jack right. Dundee, Robin Williams. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's 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 good, good stuff. Um, that is uh, that 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 will. I think that's the kind of movie that'll get you a little more pumped up about the '80s football movies. Okay, I, I'll respect that. And uh, 1986. Okay, I'm I'm in for this one. So what? Four years after all the right moves. That's right. Yes. I'm trying to think if there was any other 80s football movies that I can think of. I mean, 90s was the time. You had that's when you had Waterboy, Necessary Roughness, The Program. I think those were all 90s movies. 80s football movies, you've got Wildcat, you've got uh Johnny B Good, you got Against Johnny All Johnny B Good, that's right. Victory is one. I thought Victory was a soccer movie. It might be. I, I put football and maybe Victory Google was, just. Yeah, Victory is Michael Caine and Sylvester Stallone. That's a soccer movie. Yeah, I'm looking at the poster right now. Definitely soccer. Uh, against all odds. Not bad. Everyone's or everybody's all American. Um. Oh, I loved everybody's all American. Every that's another that's another great movie. Everybody's all American. Okay, now that I'm happy you brought that up. Because I think that's what Dennis Quaid and Jessica Lange, as he plays the Galloping Ghost, the problem is, number one, uh, that is a two-hour, seven-minute movie. That's not too bad. Okay. No, but it's also very hard to find streaming-wise right now. Oh, okay, okay. You got to buy this one. Yeah, you do. Or you got to find it at a different site. I loved Everybody's All-American. Loved it. So. The Firm? No, that's 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 not a football movie. Coach of the Year. That's terrible. <laughs> Grambling's White Tiger. No, no. Hot Shot. No. You were you were good when you start. You leave it to those first two. That was the way to okay, go. Okay, last one that, that's on this list. Gregory's Girl. Never heard of it. Okay, from the eighties. That's what it says. Johnny B. Good is pretty good. Okay, 
So I'll throw that one on. That's also not bad. But uh, yeah, you'll you'll enjoy that. That'll be a good good stuff for tonight. All right. Hey, it's been a lot of fun. We're back tomorrow, four to seven once again. We'll have more Adrian's movie reviews. We'll keep it rolling, and hopefully, we get some UTEP news. It'd be good uh, some UTEP basketball signings. Let's hope, folks, tomorrow maybe we get some good news coming through right here. Six hundred ESPN El Paso Chihuahuas an hour away.